Hello everyone, I'm Dalton Burdett. I'm Nick Iricchio. And we are the Movie Knights. Well, some of them. If you're watching this, it's because you want to hear our uncensored, unfiltered thoughts and opinions about the world of movies and entertainment news, so kick back, relax, and thank you for being part of the conversation. How's it going, bro? It's going. How about you? You know, we're chilling. We're chilling. We're, we're vibing. Chillin'. We have a packed show today. Yes, we do. And we're recording it a day late. But don't worry, it will post on time because what is sleep, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, let's go ahead and kick off this big show. What do you got for us first? Yeah, our first uh, news story comes to us from Variety. Uh, a little while ago on the show, we talked about uh, Sashin Littlefeather, who infamously turned down uh, Marlon Brando's Oscar for him on behalf of Native Americans at mm-hmm. the 1973 Academy Awards. Uh, she was actually just issued an apology by the Academy. I think we covered that story. Yep. Um, unfortunately, uh, Sunday... Uh, last Sunday, she passed away at the age of 75. She had been suffering from breast cancer. Mm, that's really, really sad. Yes. Uh, yeah, thank you for, you know, bringing that up. And uh, the, re- the reason why I kind of wanted to cover the story is just because it's crazy how life works in this way. And that it, it was almost like um, I only know how to relate to people in movies. So hear me out. Mm-hmm. A movie that I really like, it's a very cute movie that doesn't get a lot of attention, is a movie with Robert Downey Jr. called Heart and Souls. It came out in the 90s. Okay. It's like a comedy, but it's like a comedy, it's like a dramedy, but it's about a seven people die on the same night that the Robert Downey Jr. character is born, and so they're always like ghosts with him, but they're like, they're friendly. It's not a horror movie at all. They're like more like spirits, Mm -hmm. and only he can see them. But, like, he, you know, he went to therapy growing up because everyone thought he was, like, you know, he just imaginary friends. So they pulled back as he grew up because they're like, oh, we want him to live a normal life. They kind of were living through him. And then, like, a type of angel comes and is like, hey, uh, your only way to get to heaven is to achieve what you were trying to achieve through this person. So they show back up to him and they have to explain to him, like, the only way we can get to heaven is if you achieve our dreams for us. It's like one of them always wanted to sing in front of a crowd of people. So Robert Downey Jr. has to, like make his way onto a stage and sing and then that person can go to heaven and it's like the whole thing purgatory type thing yeah Yeah. and it just made me think somewhere someone was like we have to make sure like is it is it little feathers time nope the academy hasn't apologized to her yet okay we'll wait they also did that whole award ceremony again for her as well i don't know if that had happened yet or was going to happen yeah and so like but like that like just me bringing that movie in was just like that's life works in incredible ways mm-hmm. and i'm really glad that she got to have that last moment that final come around of yeah. getting that apology even if it was too little too late you know absolutely but i mean i'm sure regardless that's still something that always weighed on her yeah i'm sure like you know mm-hmm. and her community and, and things like infamous that infamous for that yeah so yeah so the fact I- that that got wrapped yeah, so I'm really yeah. glad that that was able to end on a positive note, mm-hmm. and she was able to kind of, you know, go on to the next stage with that mm-hmm. in mind. So yeah, just kind of a little somber note to start the show, but I wanted to point it out. Uh, on to other news, news that will actually make me extremely happy to talk about. What do you got for us next? Uh, our next story also comes to us from Variety. The Goosebumps series in the works at Disney Plus has added Justin Long to its cast as a series regular Variety learned exclusively. The show is based on the R.L. Stein book series of the same name. Variety exclusively reported that the show had been ordered at Disney Plus back in February. Thank you very much for bringing that in for us, Nicholas. And uh, I fucking love Justin Long. This is brought up frequently on the show. 
And the movie nights love Justin Long. Yeah, we love Justin Long. We love Joel Egerton. There's a few people yeah. that is on that category. But yes, Justin Long, no shit, is one of my favorite actors. Mm-hmm. Because he every time he's in a movie, he gives 100%. He crushes it, whether the movie's good or terrible. And then he like disappears. <laughs> then he's gone for like five years and then he shows up And then again. bam, he's in yeah. something and he crushes it. And then he disappears again. Yeah. It's insane. And I like that he keeps popping up in like the Kevin Smith movies. And, um, you know, his early career stuff, like Jeepers Creepers, Dodgeball, Accepted. Accepted is one of my all-time favorite comedies. Dodgeball. He's so good in Dodgeball. Well, most recently, Barbarian. Barbarian, he was so good in. And I didn't know he was in it. And I yeah. freaked out when we were in the theater because I love him. <laughs> he, like, smacked my side. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, Justin Long. And he's like, I didn't know he was in this. I'm like, he's in the trailers. <laughs> I didn't see them. I love Justin Long. And uh, he still looks great, by the way. Mm-hmm. Lovely guy. But yeah, I'm really, really excited by this news. First of all, the Goosebumps TV show, that's going to be super fun. From what I understand, it's disconnected from like the movies they were doing with Jack Black. I think. I'm not 100% sure on mm-hmm. that. I think they're disconnected. But just getting a Goosebumps series, like a revamped one, is really fun. And having Justin Long, who not only is in horror movies, not only is in comedies, but because you know this is going to be like a more lighthearted family horror, kind of like mm-hmm. House with a Clock in Its Walls kind of vibe, I'm yeah. pretty sure. I think he's the perfect fucking guy for the show, and I cannot wait. I'm going to watch every episode. <laughs> I'm going to watch every episode as long as Justin Long is on them. I mean, I would have watched it without, without him. I love the Goosebumps. I like yes. the Jack Black movies. I'll say it. <laughs> and I like Jack Black at House in the Clock. It's awesome. Yeah. I like that movie. That movie yeah, is good. That was a good movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I mean, like we always say on the show, it's never a bad idea to add talent. And yeah. Justin Long is a talent. Yes, he is. Goddamn right. I, I love him. And series regular too. I mean, get, yeah. gets paid. Get you get Disney, some get you Disney money. Come on. Here's now. the thing. Apparently, he has a podcast that really? is very good, and I've never heard it because I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. My cousin texted me and was like, "Hey, do you know about this?" And sent me a link to his podcast, and it's been going on for some time. And I'm like, uh, "No, I didn't know about this podcast," you know, like and the, I still haven't had a chance to listen to it. Is it like celebrity interview type thing? Do you know the general? I don't vibe know, of it? but okay. I will. I will pull up the name of it now because mm-hmm. it deserves to be said. We will plug Justin Long's podcast instead of our own. Always, one hundred and ten percent. Always, it's called Life Is Short with Justin Long. That's a funny name. Yes, it is. His last name's Long, and he and yeah, it's all like it's like it Michael, Sarah, Jenna Elfman, Stephen Fry, Christina Ricci. Like it's just. So he's got the all stars. Yes. With Michael Sarah. Yes. I saw Guy Pierce on there. Which, <laughs> which which for some reason I'm like, I need to listen to that one. I don't know why. Uh, no, I mean I, has there been any like production days set or anything? Or is it just like, hey, this movie's this this show's still happening and now we have Justin Long? Uh I think production start I, I don't know this. I I didn't dive deep into the articles, but I think production starts relatively soon, maybe uh-huh. early next year. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I know that they've been actively working on it ever since they announced it, which I think they just announced it a few months ago. Uh, yeah, I've already said back in February. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's coming soon. They might have already filmed. They might have already started filming by mm-hmm. now. Maybe. Sh- I shouldn't have given an answer. I should have been like, I don't know, because <laughs> that's the real answer. But yeah, but uh, obviously, if they're casting people, they're either very close to filming or they have started. Okay. Because normally, when we by the time we hear about it, it's been a few weeks, maybe sometimes months. Yeah. since yeah his his pen reached paper yes a few weeks ago oh yes yes but either way i'm excited also fun fact house with the clock in its walls first movie i ever saw in dolby really isn't that weird that's would that have been for me too then uh-huh how about that 
How about I know the that? first A list I saw was when we saw um, 2001 in IMAX. Yeah, yeah, that was. I didn't know the house. That was a good movie too. <laughs> R- quick, quick side story. <laughs> when we saw the movie 2001: A Space Odyssey, you know that movie. Perhaps you've heard of it. Little um, known one. <laughs> Indie. Yeah. <laughs> We're watching the movie, and like they're like I. Some of my film professors from college are in the audience. I know exactly where this story's going. And for those of you who've seen that movie, you know it opens. The movie came out in 1968. Let me preface that, okay? <laughs> this movie opens with like the dawn of humanity, and it's basically like monkeys during like the way way back when times, and it's people in monkey suits like acting like monkeys. And it's not supposed to be funny. It's very dramatic because that's when you first see, like, the monolith thing. And it leads to one of the best match cuts of all time. But besides that, we're in a room full of film people. Like, major film people who are here to see the Stanley Kubrick masterpiece in IMAX for the first time. This is my first time seeing the movie. Period. period. And Nick, alone, in a packed auditorium is just laughing his ass off at the actors in monkey suits because he just wasn't ready, I guess. And he, uh, it didn't stop. And the, the scene is like seven minutes. And the whole time, Nick is just fucking losing it laughing. And I'm like, dude, you're embarrassing me. He's like, they're in monkey suits. I don't know what you want me to do. You rewatch that scene on YouTube right now and you tell me it's not fucking hysterical. <laughs> I stand by it. And any film nerd that wants to come at me can come at me. It's kind of funny. It's funny. It's funny. <laughs> My favorite was like it was all the film people and like the like you said your film professor uh-huh. like notepads and pens and I'm like you're acting like you haven't seen this movie before. Yeah, yeah. What do you need to be taking notes for? You tell them monkey funny. <laughs> That's your note. That's your review. Five stars. Yes, yes. Perfect, perfect way of putting it, sir. Anyway, what a segue. <laughs> what a segue. Anyway, take us into our next story. Uh, yes, our next story comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. Tarzan, the classic pulp hero created by Edgar Rice Burroughs, may be heading to the screen once again. Sony Pictures has picked up the screen rights to the character from Burroughs' estate, Edgar Rice Burroughs Incorporated, and is seeking to do a, quote, total reinvention of the character and intellectual property thank you for bringing that up and yes that this is interesting and the reason why i wanted to point this out is because tarzan is one of the oldest like movie icons in a way because like you know we have those tarzan movies way way back in the early silent film days that were going on and they kept making them you eventually have the disney one you have the one with the scars guard that was a few years ago with margot robbie i never saw that one it okay I know my friend Jacob is going to fucking text me that it's a good movie. It's not that good. For mm-hmm. some reason, my friend Jacob, it's a whole thing with our friend group that Jacob loves that movie. And it, <laughs> we none of us think it's good. But he always, he remembers. And whenever we randomly bring up like our favorite movies or best movies of all time, he'll casually slip in like, yeah, you know, The Legend of Tarzan. And we're just like, shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> no, but like, um, it had the makings of a great movie. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think it was that great. Um... So the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because Sony buying these rights, picking up these rights, it means they have some type of plan with this character. 
And there's not much really you can do with a Tarzan character, that and I love a good bidding war. And while I'm sure the bidding war wasn't crazy, and that it seems Sony picked it up relatively easy, um, the idea of a brand new set of hands gets to tell this story. Because mm. we've seen it at Disney. I think the I want to say the last one was WB. I'm not sure. I think it was Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Now we got Sony. And it's like, all right. Like, I, I, I wanted to bring it up because I think it's a really cool way to show more hands grabbing onto this franchise and being able to see what... Because clearly the, the article says they want to reinvent the character for the 21st century. I don't know what that means. Maybe he's like a welder in modern time. I don't fucking know. But I am excited. Here's what I hope. For no reason at all. I hope it's rated R. And, <laughs> and I hope that it's just violent for no reason. And that's just because, you know, why not? And I wonder if they're going to change some ethnicities up. Because you know that's always been a question for Tarzan. Mm-hmm. As to, you know, some things make don't make sense. And it's easy to make them make sense. But uh, what are your thoughts on Sony picking up the rights to Tarzan? And do you think that this is also a good idea? Um, I mean, I... I think it's a good idea in that I'm interested to see what more you can do with the character because Tarzan seems very set in stone almost. Mm-hmm. Not set in stone, but like man in jungle raised by gorillas. Hunter comes in. Mm-hmm. I I don't see how they can reinvent the wheel on Tarzan. I yeah. could be. I mean, I'll see and I'll be like, oh yeah, that's it. But it's always seemed very pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Sony outside of Marvel, as a decent track record on stuff like this, existing IPs, like what they just did with Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yes. So I, I'm interested to see what they do and what kind of stars they get attached to it, what director, because Sony pulls some decent names for their their movies, so I'm I'm definitely interested to see where it goes. Me too, me too. I I'm really am excited by this, and I think it's a bigger deal than people are giving mm-hmm. it credit for. What do you guys think about the Tarzan movie rights now going to Sony? Let us know in the comments. Hey. Let us know in the comments as we move on to our next story. Nick, what do you got for us next? Our next story comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. Our next story comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. In a noteworthy moment for Netflix, the three largest theater chains in the U.S. being AMC, Regal, and Cinemark, have all agreed to play the upcoming tentpole Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery for one week over Thanksgiving, a month before the highly anticipated movie hits the Netflix streaming platform. The Ryan Johnson-directed sequel will open in approximately 600 cinemas. Thank you for bringing that topic in for us, Nick. And yeah, so this is a big game changer for Netflix Mm -hmm. in that um, they've made limited theatrical releases for movies before, like their Oscar ones, like Roma had a limited little thing going in a couple of theaters in New York and L.A. to qualify. Um, during the pandemic, like Army of the Dead was able to play in theater for Cinemark theaters, a, cu- a handful of Cinemark theaters, Malcolm and Marie, same thing. And they just did it for The Gray Man as well. But that's really it. Like that was the only theatrical releases you get to see. This is the first time that all three major U.S. cinema chains, uh, AMC, Regal, and Cinemark, are going to be able to show a Netflix movie before it comes out to Netflix for a week exclusive window before the film goes dark for a month and then comes out in December 23rd. Mm-hmm. So this is huge. And um, I really want to kind of dive into how big this is because um, Netflix, is, one, has never done anything like this before. And two, it just shows that Ryan Johnson was like, hey, I want a theatrical release if we're going to do this. And they paid a lot of money for Knives Out 2 and 3, so he's going to get it. And the the real question is, 
is it enough? Because I feel like the reason Netflix only did a weak theatrical window is so that if it goes well, they can do it again and make the window longer. Mm -hmm. But if it does poorly, they can see it didn't work. But they're only giving it a week. Yeah. Which, this is how you make money doing this and having it a bigger window before it goes to Netflix. Because, you know, Netflix has been in some financial trouble, which we've talked about on the show. And this is more money than you had just by dropping it on Netflix. Like, I've never really understood the model with these very expensive movies. Because mm-hmm. everyone has Netflix. Who's going to have it, right? They're at the point where they've hit so many subscribers, they've started losing them. Yeah. This seems... While I'm, I'm, I'm torn, because I'm happy that Netflix is finally putting a major a movie in major theaters for at least a week. It's a baby step. Mm-hmm. But I'm also disappointed in that they didn't commit that much more because I think this is the biggest money-making tool you have because all studies have shown that movies that do well on streaming do better on streaming if they came out in theaters first, which I know is hard for people to wrap their heads around, but it's true. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on this whole thing? And do you think it's a good idea? Do you think the window should be longer? What's on your mind? Um, I think it should be longer, especially given they're giving it a month gap on it. Um, I know I'm excited to see it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to actually catch it in theaters that week because they're also catching people right before the holiday when a lot of people are traveling. Like, that's why I probably won't be able to see it in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, but is this could this be more of a awards qualifying thing? Do you think this is more of if if they wanted? I feel like yeah. if they wanted it to be an awards qualifying thing, they would just put it in a few theaters in New York and L.A. Yeah, because that's what you have to do. So then do you think this kind of comes into Netflix almost leveraging that? theaters aren't making any money and they're like hey this movie made this much money yeah and and you have nothing in this week and and that's a good point because i I think that that's not something i really brought up is this is also the first time where theaters are in a position to say yeah we'll we'll take your movie yeah because normally pre-covid if netflix went to theaters with a deal they'd be like no (laughs) cute yeah yeah cute like why would we waste money putting your movie in theaters when it's just gonna go on streaming in a week absolutely or a month absolutely not times are different now Mm-hmm. And theaters, ever since the summer, have been really struggling with titles. And Black Adam and Black Panther are going to hopefully give them a little bump into the next year. But it's, it's bad mm-hmm. for them. Only a couple horror movies have been able to hold them over. And even then, while they're making money for their budget, it's not blockbuster money to keep the theaters alive. So I didn't even consider that. That's a good point. Yeah. Of just like, this is also relevant of the theaters being like, yep, yeah, yeah, we'll take it. Just fucking let us know when you when you yeah, want might it. as well, yeah. Yeah, so I'm really happy that the deal's been reached, and I wonder, as more details come out, I wonder what the deal was. Like, I wonder what the split's gonna be, because you know there's gonna be some fuckery with that. Yeah, and, and like you, you'd mentioned before, Netflix pay, paid a lot of money. Yes, they did. So, and they're at the point where- Hundreds losing, of millions of dollars. And they're at the point now where you just said they're actually losing subscribers. Mm-hmm. So this might be a good way to recuperate some of that investment. Mm-hmm. Look, do Which I think smart move. do yeah. I think that Knives Out is going to make a hundred million dollars at the box office? No, but if it makes ten million, it's ten million back. Had, had, with a full theatrical release, yeah. it might have made a hundred because I think I want to say the other one maybe did, mm-hmm. but the budget of the other one was also just forty. Yeah. With this. Opening it at Thanksgiving, which is a very much so movie going holiday, mm-hmm. I think it's going to make money. Yeah. It might make total run of the week. It might make like sixty million dollars, and that's that's being pleasant. Yeah, 
And if so, that's nothing but a win. And that also then leads into, oh, well, I have Knives Out 3. This maybe, did very well. Maybe we can do a full theatrical run with yeah. them. Yeah. Or even a month or yeah. whatever. Or just it. their yeah. other high-profile projects. I would yeah. love for this to end with Netflix being like, let's just do theatrical releases and we'll do a 45-day window, like what a lot of people have started to do. Mm-hmm. That would be the shit. I would love that. Because they're Dude. making these big movies. Like, I yeah. still haven't watched The Gray Man, mm-hmm. but that's like a $200 million movie. Yeah. E- Extraction 2 is coming out. Yeah. That's a very big movie. They make big movies all the time. So even if they don't do it for a full 45 days, if they just did a... Even a 30-day. Yeah. But even then, at that point, that's when you start getting on the theaters for the theaters to be like, no. Exactly. Yeah. But that's also, as the positions change with how the theaters are doing, you know, the willingness to do that will increase or decrease. And I'm very curious to see if this move works or not. Yeah. And I'm very fascinated by the move. And I'm very glad that Netflix is at least open to this. And I think we're going to start to see more filmmakers go to Netflix with this being a condition. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they want to have their movies on the big screen. Naturally. Yeah. So what do you guys think about Netflix putting Knives Out 2 in theaters for one week over the course of Thanksgiving, which you can get your tickets now for, by the way. I did. Let us know in the comments below as we move on to our next story. And the Internet's not going to be upset or happy about this next one at all. (laughs) Our next story comes through Variety, but also just everywhere online for the last five days. Yep. Uh, The first trailer for Nintendo's animated Super Mario Bros. movie is finally here as Chris Pratt brings the mustachioed Italian plumber to life. (laughs) The trailer debuted during a Nintendo Direct video presentation on Thursday. Yeah. I'm going to say it. This trailer was fucking awesome. I thought it looked great. It was a great trailer. And uh, it was really funny. It looks like it's going to be really fun. The, the action sequences actually look like they're going to be really well done. The animation is The animation so is superb. And I love the beginning when they throw the, <laughs> the snowballs at Bowser and he goes, that is just but a taste of... <laughs> Do you yield? So You know funny. that voice is uh, King Ezekiel from The Walking Dead? <laughs> and no. I believe he voices Cyborg on Teen Titans Go. That's so amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know... That's not what everyone wants to hear us talk about. Everyone wants to hear us talk about the voices. Everyone agrees that Jack Black as Bowser is great. Fantastic. I, I agree. We got a little, we got a small taste of Charlie Day's Luigi, and yep. man, am I yep. here for it. Yep. But that's not what everyone wants, to, wants us to talk about. Everyone wants us to talk about Chris Pratt as Mario and what we think. I'm going to say a few things. One, I didn't think it was bad. Two, with that being said, I don't think we heard enough to really give an opinion on the voice. I think I don't think anyone can make an opinion on the voice until the movie comes out and we watch the movie and see how it fits in context of the movie. Mm-hmm. And three, I just want to I just want to add for those upset about the original voice actor of Mario not doing the voice of Mario, I want to say two things. One, he's in the movie. His name pops up in the credits, so he does something. Two. Internet's not going to like me. I feel like the Yahoo, it's a me for two hours would get fucking annoying constantly. Mm-hmm. If that's because I feel like he said maybe 30 words in all of Mario, he's maybe said 30 words. Yeah. As that voice. Unless there, there's probably some animated movie that I forgot about. And if so, I'm so sorry. And the live action. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> but I mean, like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that voice, that guy's voice has maybe said 30 words, at least that what I've heard. And I don't think it would have worked mm-hmm. as a feature film. 
I think it would have gotten annoying quickly. And I think that could there have been a legitimate voice actor that you casted rather than an A-list movie star? Sure. And I think that's an ongoing problem that animation has had Mm -hmm. by not utilizing the true art of voice acting. Now, there are many wonderful talents who devote their life to it and are fucking amazing at it, and they don't get the credit that they deserve. Because now it just becomes like, hey, like I liked DC League of Super Pets, but yeah. it was, Haha, I'm the rock. rock. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, yeah. yeah. And also, now, what I'll give Chris Pratt, he did a great job in the Lego movie. It's not like he's never voiced anything before. Mm-hmm. And onward. And yes, yes, he was very good in that too. But I do want to say, I do want to acknowledge the voice acting problem. It is a problem. And more projects need to be available to them, and they need to clean up their residual stuff better. I know there's stuff going on with that as well. Mm-hmm. But what I heard of Chris Pratt, I didn't hate. I don't think it's enough to really form an opinion until the movie comes out. Maybe I watch the movie, and I'm like, wow, what a bad choice. Mm-hmm. But to all of you, you may watch the movie and go, that really worked for what they were trying to pull off. Because like I said, I feel like the original Mario voice for two hours would have been rather annoying. I've said my piece. The comments are already after me. What do you think, Nicholas? Um, well, right off the gate, love Jack Black as Bowser. Absolutely. Just going to say that. Yes. As far as Chris Pratt goes, I have a few thoughts as well. One, I again, I agree that with you. I don't think we heard enough from it. Yeah. What we did here, eh? Mm-hmm. It's kind of him just like, gruffing his voice it sounded like mushroom kingdom here we come and you're like okay yeah anyone could have done that voice yeah um as far as chris pratt goes i think like you said lego movie onward great Mm -hmm. anything to do with his voice in this movie is the directors yeah that's true or the writers or whatever the context is the director worked with chris pratt and said this is the voice i need you to do and chris pratt said Okie dokie. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he had some input onto it. Like, yeah. no, I can't do that kind of a voice. You yeah. know, like I can't get my voice that high. You know, he only has so much of a vocal range, but he's an actor being paid to do a movie. He's not a producer on the movie. He wasn't involved in the writing. He's just doing his job. He's yeah. doing what he was told to do as an actor. Yeah. I, and again, I, I agree with your sentiment about the animation being a much larger issue. Like I know on animated TV shows, all those actors do so much voice work as multiple characters because mm-hmm. that's how they get paid more because yeah. you get paid per character, I believe mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I think that the movie as a whole stylistically works really well. I think that Jack Black sounds great as Bowser. I think that Charlie day, I can just envision being Luigi. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the cowards didn't show us Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. <laughs> Or Anya Taylor Joy's Peach. Or Anya Taylor Joy's Beach. So like I'm not I'm not concerned with ninety-five percent of that casting. Mm-hmm. The issue is the casting I'm concerned with is the titular character. True. But this movie could be a giant ensemble. Yeah. And also I I still want to emphasize we haven't seen the movie. Yeah. And I feel like that's what it, it always boils down to that. Mm-hmm. Most of like the internet big thing always comes down to we haven't seen the movie. Yeah. When we do, maybe it won't be an issue at all. Maybe it will. But what I feel like it's going to happen is like the first 10 minutes or so, you're going to be like, oh, but then you're over it. I mean, with something like this, too, people know Nintendo 
is so protective of Mario. Yes. Illumination makes great animation. Mm-hmm. If they were not confident in this choice, they would not have cast him. They would not have cast him. Because there's also, yeah, Chris Pratt is a huge name. Yeah. There's big names that they could have gotten as well. Yeah. You know, there's like a Brad Pitt. If you're, if you're like any s- actor could have done that voice yeah. that he's doing. And it, they had Chris Pratt money and they decided to spend it on Chris Pratt. Yeah. You know, so it does show confidence. That is a mm-hmm. good point. So I, I, I'm not concerned on that front. And I'm looking forward to seeing more. And hey, like I said, when if the movie comes out and I hate it, yeah. I will tell you right here on the show, I didn't like the voice. But I think we need to reserve it until we actually see the film mm-hmm. and judge it for ourselves and see how it works in context. Well, because this was a teaser trailer. Yes. We got nothing from this. Yes. Bowser got a star. And Mario's in Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah. That implication makes it seem like he's never even met Peach. Yeah. Which is not something we've had in the, the games, yeah, right? Which, goes, yeah, which we'll have to see in the movie. Exactly. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. What do you guys think about the Mario trailer? Did you know? Do you have an opinion on the voice? Are you like us where you think we didn't see enough and we really need to wait till the movie comes out to really release judgment on that? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our final news story. And uh, you might actually get to see a little debate. <laughs> we don't get those often here. so this should No, be we don't. This should be good. All right. Well, our last story comes to us from Deadline. Uh huh. Following the success of Loki, the TV series on Disney Plus, and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Michael Waldron looks to be in line for another high-profile Marvel Marvel property. As sources tell Deadline, he is set to write Avengers: Secret Wars for Marvel Studios. Dalton, would you like to go first? Yes, I would. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. First of all, Marvel. On this show, <laughs> crazy. Only but one story today. Only one. Yeah. yeah. Look at us improving. It's going to be our least viewed episode. No, <laughs> <laughs> no but uh, uh, I... All right. I'm ready for this one. I think this is a fantastic fucking choice. And I know not everyone thinks that. Mm-hmm. Hear me out. Here's my reasoning. One, Loki's fantastic. Loki is Fantastic. Minus the one episode three. But he was the head writer and the stuff he did, great. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty universal. As about as universal as a subjective thing can be. Two. I personally love Multiverse of Madness. I think it's much better than people give it credit for. And especially, and here's my main reasoning, especially considering that movie had to completely scrap what it was doing before, had a limited window to write the script and make the movie, and they had to flip the order with Spider-Man because it was supposed to come out before Mm Spider-Man. Knowing all of that, plus COVID, I think what we got was great, personally. Just saying. And thing three, we know that Kevin Feige loves Michael Waldron and trusts Michael Waldron because Michael Waldron is also writing Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie. In Feige we trust, Feige trusts Waldron, A plus B equals C. <laughs> now, or no, the better one would have been if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. That's what I meant to say. Mm-hmm. Not good at math, never was. <laughs> Waldron uh-huh. now has the time to develop the Secret Wars script, and he probably knows everything going on in the Marvel world if he's tasked with writing it. I think it's a great choice. I think his Rick and Morty stuff's good. 
I think he's a great writer. Now, even I, who loves Multiverse of Madness, do I think the script was one of the weaker elements? Yes. But I also think, considering they had to flip the order, rewrite the whole movie from the beginning, and completely change what they were doing in a short amount of time, what we got was pretty good. And I'll take it, and I think it's a good idea. What do you think? So I really like the Loki show. Mm -hmm. I thought it was very sharply written, especially the finale where they introduce He Who Remains. Yes. Multiverse of Madness, I did not think was well written. I know. And there's a lot of give and take, which I'm interested to see, because what I really liked about Loki was also all the Loki variants. Mm -hmm. And all of the Loki variants were not Tom Hiddleston, save for President Loki. Mm -hmm. Multiverse of Madness, all of the variants... We're just Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes. So the interplay between the Loki variants was much more interesting to me mm-hmm. than Benedict Cumberbatch playing Doctor Strange with a ponytail. Mm-hmm. I felt like the weaker elements of Doctor Strange was seeing all the different iterations of Doctor Strange not be that different. Whereas you had different actors getting to play around with that. And Secret Wars being a massive multiverse movie, I hope that we're not just going to see a few actors playing just variants of themselves Mm -hmm. and instead getting other actors playing variants of that. Because that's also what was so interesting about like Spider-Man No Way Home, Mm -hmm. where you see, oh, two of them have web shooters, one's organic, Mm -hmm. right? That kind of interplay and dialogue was what's interesting about variants to me, not just, oh, the actor gets to do something different. Mm -hmm. No, this is a different person entirely. On the pro side, because I will throw out a pro, I do appreciate that Michael Waldron is just in charge of this multiverse corner that they're introducing. Yes. I think it's a smart move to have one person oversee it all. Overseeing all of that. Mm-hmm. Much like I thought would be like James Gunn with the space yeah. aspect of the MCU. Mm-hmm. I think it's smart to have one person narrowing down on one thing. I just hope he can scale up to what Secret Wars will be. I don't know what they're going to make it, because obviously there's multiple comics from it. But I, my biggest concern is because Secret Wars in the comics is all those different groups interacting and everything. And part of my issue with Multiverse Madness was I did not like the Illuminati. And as you'll see in the thumbnail, I did <sighs> not like the Illuma Wadi line. Because personally, I felt that immediately discredited what the importance of the Illuminati. And I don't want him bringing in all these different groups like the X-Men or whatever and just to write them off with an introduction as a joke. Because I feel like that's going to immediately discredit them for me. Okay. Here's where the fight begins. I will see you. The Illumi, the, I don't like the Illumi, the Illuminati line okay. either. Yeah. I will give you that. The Illuminati in that movie was perfect. And I would... I, wouldn't have done it any different because the whole purpose of that scene we've lamented about it many I know, a time was, yeah. was for Wanda and to show that she's not fucking around and how dangerous she is while also giving the idea to the audience that there is alternate characters and alternate universes and sprinkling that idea in mm-hmm. other than obviously the what if show but they've slowly moved away from that as being like canon-ish yeah and this movie allowed that to happen while giving fan service things like John Krasinski and um, Patrick Stewart 
and it also allowed Wanda to be established as a villain and setting up a story in 838. Because I, I think I don't think we've seen the last of 838, mm-hmm. personally. And I think for that story, for that movie, it served the purpose perfect. And in Secret Wars, it's called Avengers Secret Wars. You're not going to have that happen again. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think that the alternate versions of the characters will be the main characters? No. Mm-hmm. But I do think they will be utilized in the story more, kind of like how Toby and Andrew were utilized in No Way Home. How they weren't the main characters of the story, but they were an inter- integral part of the story. See, I feel that was better. I didn't feel that the Illuminati were an essential part of multiverse. I don't think they were an essential part of the story in that way, mm-hmm. but I also don't think it was an Illuminati movie. I think it was a Doctor Strange and Wanda movie. And for those characters, it served the purpose perfectly well. Because they showed Doctor Strange how much they don't trust him and all his other variations by having him be there. And them saying, no, I think you're going to be more dangerous than she is. And it kind of was reflective on him. Mm -hmm. And for her, it showed that she just fucking tore through him. (laughs) And it's just how powerful she is. And so now, when we see these other variations of people in Secret Wars take on Wanda, who I assume will be back. We know. She's torn through teams before. Mm -hmm. And that thread exists now and it's there. And if there's going to be communication between universes, word's going to get out of how dangerous, like, 616 is, how dangerous she is. And we know Doctor Strange and Clea are going to be fucking up some incursion stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, while the Ill- I think the Illuminati was perfect for that movie because it was never part of the story. Like, you could take Illuminati out of the movie, and I think the movie still works. Mm-hmm. But I think the service that they... I think they added to the story instead of being a part of the story. Okay. In a way of, like, you could have cut Happy Hogan out of No Way Home. Mm-hmm. And No Way Home still works. But I liked Happy Hogan in the movie. I think and my... I thought he played into the role, especially with Aunt May. Yeah. You know? I think my biggest concern comes down to fan service. Uh-huh. Because Secret Wars, I'm very concerned about just being fan service the movie. Uh-huh. And I know, like, I love No Way Home. I've said on the show many times. I know a lot of that movie was fan service, mm-hmm. but for me that worked. Mm-hmm. Whereas I know the Illuminati was also semi fan service with like John Krasinski's Reed Richards, and that didn't work for me. So that's my concern of how fan service was handled that versus how fan service was handled by something Michael Waldron wrote. And again, I will reiterate, I loved the Loki series. I thought it was very well written, and I really liked everything that he brought to it. Mm hmm. But I'm 50-50 on stuff that he's written that I've liked and I've disliked. I see the concern because you share concerns with many other people. Yeah. I personally think the movie's in good hands. And I don't think Kevin Feige would just hand it to somebody who he didn't trust to do a good job. Mm-hmm. And I assume that a bunch of different Marvel writers... Because I think that, that script was going to be in-house no matter what. And I have a feeling that a bunch of people pitched Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you see Secret Wars? How do you see Secret Wars? And I think he liked his the best. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Because Kevin Feige is... V- another thing he's very talented with, he's very self-aware of the conversation. Like, you don't cast John Krasinski in that movie unless you know that people talk Want about yeah. that. So he knows. And I feel like with the knowledge of him knowing what people think of the Michael Waldron stuff, and he still did it, that it's for a reason. I, I'd be interested to see who they end up pulling out as the director. Me too. Because I feel like who they pick will also affect that. If that makes sense. Hear me for a second. Like, I know Waldron said once he found out it was Sam Raimi, he went back and changed things. Mm-hmm. Which I think 
some worked and some didn't. I think it all worked personally. So I'm curious when they announce the director, how that will change because the director still does have a large amount of input. Mm -hmm. The most input. Yeah. Okay, but what would you do if, like, Sam Raimi was directing Secret Wars? I'd have a lot of hesitation. I would not. I'll be honest. I would not. I would walk in being praising if, Feige, our lord and savior. It, it, won't, it won't happen. If but I had, if I I had liked it. Multiverse of Madness more, mm-hmm. I would. I feel like Secret Wars can't be campy, though. That's, that's sh- the thing. It will be. It will be. It will be innately, but I've, not to the Raimi levels. It will be. Because if, if you're going to bring in other people, which I yeah. think they are... You have to. Mm-hmm. If you bring in Wesley Snipes' Blade, yeah, he's got to be campy and say <laughs> some motherfucker's always trying to ice skate uphill. Come on. You know? God, I love Blade. It's so good. But, like, yeah. you know, you got to have it. Now, who... Okay, let's have fun here. Mm-hmm. Who's directing Secret Wars? Go. Do you think it's in-house? Yes. Who is it? Googler. Ooh. Ooh, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Ryan Coogler, Black Panther, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Ooh. Fruitville Station, Creed. Boom. Okay. I would have given him, I would have went for Kang, him. Uh-huh. But I think Dustin Creed. when was... they announced Dustin, I was like, yeah. But yeah. there's no way it's both of them. And I, part of me thought maybe John Watts, mm-hmm. but I feel like, because of the Fantastic Four stuff, but yeah. I feel like they've got something else lined up yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think it's Secret Wars. Uh huh. Okay. Go on. I am gonna throw you mm-hmm. a fucking wild card. Go on. I don't think it's the Russo brothers. Yeah, because I think they've been playing a pissing match mm-hmm. with Marvel recently, and they've lost. Yeah. <laughs> Feige doesn't need to do pissing matches. No, he doesn't have time. Mm-hmm. I. Th- John Favreau. Really? Because this is the first time they're on. They're pretty much done with Mandalorian season three, and he's available to do it. Now, see, this would be interesting to really. I mean, you really want to go full circle. The guy who did Iron Man and Secret Wars. I think it's good. I think that'd be interesting because he does have a good. I think Favreau has a great sense for tone. Yeah. And I think he'd be able to play with all the different to- if they're bringing in all these crazy yeah. things like Blade or a Nick Cage Ghost Rider or a Ben Affleck Daredevil. Like if they're going to go that crazy on it, mm-hmm. I feel like Favreau's really good at just balancing the tone. Yep. So do I. I could def- definitely in house. I think Marvel's at a big point now where when they get to these ten pools, they're not going to take risks with someone coming in. Uh huh. I mean, maybe you never know. I could be wrong. Yeah. You know what would be fun? We could do process of elimination in-house by mm-hmm. deciding who's not going to direct Secret Wars. Yeah. Joss Whedon will not direct Secret Wars. The Russo brothers will not direct Secret Wars. Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh will not direct Secret Wars. Who did Hulk? Louis Lettier. Not doing. Will not do Secret Wars. Taika Waititi will not do Secret James Wars. James Gunn. James Gunn will not do Secret Scott Wars. Scott Derrickson. Scott Derrickson. Alan Taylor will not do Secret Wars. Who's Alan Taylor. Thor: The Dark World. Okay. See, now it's more Ooh. interesting. John Watts. John Watts will not do Secret mm-hmm. Wars. Chloe Zhao. Chloe Zhao. Ooh. Okay, hear me oh. for a second. Oh, hold hear on. Hear me for a second. What do we right. find? I'm, I'm writing a list. Let me get a fucking pen. This is getting fun. 
I'm going to write down potential people who would direct Secret Wars. Raimi's a no. I'm going to put him as a maybe. Raimi would direct it. I don't think they would give it to him. Okay. I'm putting down John Favreau. Because let's go phase one. Let's go phase one. Phase one, Favreau. Phase one, Favreau. That's it. Brana. You think Brana would? Oh, sorry. Phase one, just Favreau. Just Favreau. Yeah. All right. Phase two. See, phase two is Iron Man 3, Shane Black. <laughs> now, if we're talking about what I want. <laughs> no, they, they they won't. No. Um, Alan Taylor, no. Russo Brothers, no. James Gunn, no. Peyton Reed. Now, this is interesting. I'm going to put Peyton Reed down. I'm going to put Peyton Reed down as well. Because I've heard Quantumania is, is a... Awesome. Is one awesome and a stark tonal shift for Ant-Man. Yes, yes. So I am pumped to see okay. that. Okay, I got John Favreau and Peyton Reed. Phase three, not Scott Derrickson. We already talked about the Russo brothers. Not John Watts, not James Gunn, not Taika Waititi. Not the directors of uh, Captain Marvel. Ryan Coogler. Coogler, I'm pro Coogler here. I think I think that's been the best answer so far. Mm-hmm. Chloe Zhao. That's getting into phase four. Oh, phase four. We're on three still. Yeah, because I, am I forgetting somebody in phase three other than the Captain Marvel directors? Because Peyton Reeb is also... No, I, I don't think so. I think that's it. Let me look here. Sorry, this went off the rails, <laughs> but I'm fascinated by this. Phase three, uh, Civil Wars, Russo Brothers, Ragnarok, mm-hmm. Infinity War, Endgame, Doctor Strange, Guardians 2, Ant-Man, Captain Marvel. Yeah. yeah. No, that's it. All right. Phase four, the director of Black Widow's a no. When's Fantastic Four wrapping? You think Shackman might do it? I'd be interested to see how Fantastic Four is before I put him down there, but Feige seems to be loving him. Yeah, but I think it's close. Yeah. Hawkeye I think I think no. they'd come out the same year. Well, who's doing? Because you could also do Captain America. Yeah, that director, Julius Anna, maybe. But I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Eternals, Chloe Zhao. I'm putting Chloe Zhao. And then you got Raimi. So, Dustin Dustin Cretton's already doing. Yeah, and Kang I, I don't think they're doing. No. They can't. Yeah. All right. All right. So we got, what, five potential candidates? Hold on. Go on. Uh, the director of Falcon the Winter Soldier, I don't think so. Nia DaCosta. I don't know. I, I th- wanna, I'd want to see the Marvels. Yeah. All right. All right. Here's who we have. Who I think realistically, I put, I put Raimi because fuck you. Mm-hmm. John Favreau, Peyton Reed, Ryan Coogler, Chloe Zhao, Sam Raimi. I, I like our first three. Not Chloe Zhao. I, I like her on the list in the top five. I think she's bottom of the possibilities, though. Could you imagine the internet? <laughs> if Kevin Feige was like, and the director of Secret Wars, Chloe Zhao. Oh, what a baller move it would be. I I don't know if Favreau would want it. Probably. He hasn't directed, other than Mandalorian episodes, he hasn't directed really anything yeah. in a while. So, I'm honestly, I'm going to switch it out. I'm going to go Coogler and Reed. I don't hate it. So if they're in-house, it's definitely one of the people on this list. Yes. Probably. Depending on Fantastic Four of Shackman. Depending on Fantastic Four Shackman and Nia DaCosta, the Marvels. Yes. What about the Batgirl directors who did Miss Marvel? 
I don't know because if Batgirl actually is really bad, yeah, why would true, you even true. risk giving them yeah. Secret Wars? Yeah. Okay. Last thing, and then we'll move on. Yes. Out of house. Give me a name of who you want to direct Secret Wars. Ooh. Out of house. Who have I liked lately? <laughs> Steven Spielberg. <laughs> of course. No, um, I'd have to think on that one. Yeah? Yeah, I don't know if I can give you an answer right now, I'll be honest. Okay. Do you have one lined up? The guy who did um, Top Gun Maverick. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Just because why not? Fair. I have his jo- It's Joseph something. Yeah, I don't I don't know his name offhand. I don't um, know if I can give you a name to yeah, personally. Sorry. That's okay. Yeah. I'm also thinking I would love to see like some indie horror movie. T- like, ooh, like someone pulling from DC, David Sandberg. Mm, okay. I, I think it would make that. a really fun Secret Wars movie. There's no way Zack Snyder would do it. They wouldn't. They wouldn't ask him either, though. Could now, now could you imagine the internet? Could you imagine the internet if that should happen? <laughs> oh Snyder would lose God. half his fan base if he said he was doing a Marvel movie. No, he wouldn't. They would all of a sudden be Marvel fans. Mm, that's also fair. He wouldn't. Okay. I think what's less likely is him saying yes than them asking him, mm-hmm. and the reason for it is because they're very hands-on. Yeah, and that's why. Ryan Johnson. That would be a hell of an announcement. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I can get behind that, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. We're, we're way We're spiraling, yeah. We're spiraling. But that was fun. At the end of the day, what do you guys think about Michael Waldron writing Secret Wars? Let us know in the comments as we move on to the box office. The box office. Nicholas, give us our predictions from last week. All right. So our predictions from last week, uh, Dalton had Smile coming in at number one, Lyle Lyle Crocodile at number two. Amsterdam at number three, Don't Worry Darling at number four, and Avatar at number five. I had Smile at number one, Lyle Lyle Crocodile at number two, Don't Worry Darling at number three, Avatar at number four, and Amsterdam in fifth place. Okay, okay, okay. Are you ready for the final numbers, good sir? Give it to me. Coming in at number one, dropping 8. 18% from week one to week two, which is fucking crazy. It's the second highest. It's the second best hold for a horror movie of all time. Really? Other than Get Out. And that was Holy Smile. Come, did come in first, making another $18 million. And that's, I, th- I think it's Blumhouse, if I'm not mistaken. And it's made $92 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. God damn. It's doing well. Uh, second place was Lyle Lyle Crocodile making 11 million in its first weekend okay third was Amsterdam making 6.4 million that is a very very big flop coming in fourth dropping 24% from week three to week four was The Woman King a movie that we forgot about yes coming in fourth and coming in fifth was Don't Worry Darling making another 3.5 million dollars Avatar finally dropping out of the top five and it's re-release. So the final top five of last weekend are as follows. Smile number one, Lyle Lyle Crocodile number two, Amsterdam number three, The Woman King number four, and Don't Worry Darling number five. You had a good run. You got the first three. Yep. Did you have Don't Worry Darling in fifth, or did you have Amsterdam? I had Amsterdam in fifth. I had Mm. Don't Worry Darling in third. Gotcha. Yeah. Not the best. 
Not the best. To dive in a little bit more specific on some of them. Don't Worry Darling now has a worldwide box office total of $69 million. Yeah. Um, The Woman King now has a worldwide box office total of $64 million. Uh, Amsterdam now has a worldwide box office total of $9 million. Yikes. Lyle Lyle Crocodile has a worldwide box office of $11 million. Uh, I don't know how much that movie costs, but with the VFX, the crocodile, I assume it wasn't crazy cheap, but it might have been. And Smile making $92 million. I'm sure I'm sure that budget was minuscule, so that's doing really well. Dropping 56%, which is an average drop, but for an unfortunate movie from week one to week two was Bros. It came in eighth. Jeez. And its total worldwide box office, uh, it has an open worldwide, but its total domestic box office right now is uh, $8 million, which... Uh, isn't fantastic. But yes, that is the box office. And now we can look ahead and we can predict next week's box office. Nick, would you like to give a little prediction as to next week's numbers? Yes. So I am going Halloween number one. Okay. I'm going smile number two. Hashtag spooky. Hashtag spooky. Three, Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Four, Amsterdam. And five, The Woman King. Okay. Mostly because I don't know if anything else is coming out against Halloween. I don't think so. Um, my predictions are as follows. Halloween number one. Smile number two. Lyle Lyle Crocodile number three. The Woman King number four. Amsterdam number five. Okay, so we just swap in four and five, it seems like. Or did you have Woman King in yours? I had Woman King as number five with Amsterdam number four. Oh, I thought you had DWD number five. My bad. Yeah, no. So yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be a battle to the teeth. <laughs> Smile or croc? No. <laughs> I hope I hope fucking Avatar comes in third. Just for <laughs> no fucking reason. I mean how uh, if Smile's doing this well, imagine what a known IP horror movie's gonna do. Yeah, but it's on Peacock. But does anyone have Peacock? No. Yeah. <laughs> amazing, amazing. What's funny is I won't be at the movie on Thursday, so I yeah. am actually going to have to watch it on Peacock. Yep, joke's on you. <laughs> but uh, yes, that's the box office predictions for next week, guys. I love doing box office on the show, but before we move on to our movie review, I just want to take care of some quick housekeeping. Well, we love having you join and watch us on YouTube. We get that life gets busy. We're constantly running around, and, you know, maybe you just don't like to see our faces, especially Nick's. So for your listening pleasure, the Movie Nights Roundtable is available in audio-only forms on Spotify, Apple, Google, and all other major podcasting platforms. Simply open your podcasting app of choice, type in Movie Nights Roundtable into the search, and look for our big yellow logo. And now, we're going to move on to our little movie review, if you can call it a movie. Maybe a TV movie, maybe a special presentation, if you will. Dun-da-dun-dun. But we're going to talk about Werewolf by Night, and I'm going to jump into this right now. Holy fuck, it was awesome. It was great. It was way better than it had any right to be. Unbelievable. It's what, 55 minutes? Yes. Something like that? Mm-hmm. Do more of this, Marvel, one. Two, direct more things, Michael Giacchino. <laughs> Blade. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Three, <laughs> three, do more horror stuff, Marvel, also. Because one, legit awesome. And me being a big movie fan, the throwback to like the 30s and 40s horror movies, loved it. Dude, the Marvel credits with the fucking... Mm -hmm. All right, listen. Oh, my God. And I think this is one of his best scores as well. 
I love the score. Anyway, I've stolen the spotlight, sir. You talk about Werewolf by No, night. you're fine. I'm just saying, if you're going to need to do things in black and white to give us more gore, go ahead. <laughs> I don't For care. Real. I, don't I liked it more than it was in black and white. Yeah, make Deadpool black and white. Make it bloody as hell. Why not? I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. Michael Giacchino knocked it out of the park. Yes, he did. And imagine just being the guy who understands score. Yeah. Not having to explain <laughs> any of it. Yeah. Being the director talking to himself. Yeah. Just being like, fuck off. Let me do this for 50 minutes. Yeah. And I'm going to have a blast. Yes. And it was great. And we didn't need a show. And in 55 minutes, we've established, mild spoilers, that there's an underground society that hunts monsters in the MCU. That it's, spoiler, now run by Elsa Bloodstone. And that we have Werewolf by Night and fucking Man-Thing. Man-Thing stole the show. Ted! Ted stole the show, in my opinion. I never in my life... How many times have I said this sentence Mm -hmm. to you? I never in my life thought that I would see this. Legit, again, never in my life thought that I would see Man-Thing. I fucking love Man-Thing. I'm a big fan. You can't really see him. Uh, Marvel Comics Presents is a great little comic run that would highlight different characters. Mm -hmm. And there'd be like... There'd be like five characters, and they would get a four-page mini-story over several issues. And the first few, the last story, was Man-Thing. Ever like the first five issues. And it was so interesting and fun. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Love Man-Thing. I thought he was utilized great. I hope they make a Funko of him and Werewolf by Night and Elsa Bloodstone. I'll fucking get all of them. There's I, still no Funko for the Yellow Suit Daredevil. You cowards release it. The, I mean, just everything about it. Like, I'm trying to think of stuff that I didn't like, because... What fun is a movie review if you're not going to critique it? Yeah. But, man, I don't really have much to critique, except that I wanted more. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, like, yeah, 50 minutes is an odd time. Mm -hmm. And while I think it worked for the most part, there are some things where I wish, like, it would have expanded on it more. Mm -hmm. Like, I think you could have made this a feature film if you wanted to. Yeah. But I don't think the length was a detriment either. Like, I thought it played very well. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, I hope that they, like, because I think it counts as a TV movie. I hope to God they put this up for, like, the best TV movie at the Emmys. <laughs> just to just to give it a shot, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Um, another critique I would say is some there are some scenes that are played for, like, joking laughs mm-hmm. while also trying to be spooky fun, and they don't always work. And I don't want to get too specific. Yeah. But... Overall, loved it, and there were some jokes that are actually quite funny in it. A lot of the practical effects, the practical were effects were great, though. Yeah, and I loved. And there's a scene where the practical effects are supposed to be bad for the uh, the corpse, mm-hmm. but I loved it. Loved it. It was intentionally. Yeah, bad, yeah, it was. That's it what was. works. Yeah. yeah, and I think that also just all the character portrayals were so interesting. Like, I want more of Elsa Bloodstone. Yep, and I want more of Werewolf by Night. J- Jake. Jack? Jake, Jake, Jake. I want more of him. I found him super engaging before he became werewolf by night. And just like from a screenwriting perspective too, how do you establish that two characters are friends? Mm-hmm. Well, what if one loves his friend so much, spoilers, loves his friend so much that he fakes being a killer in an underground society while being a monster that they hunt to go save him? Boys. 
boys. Boys. <laughs> like immediately yeah. when he sees him and says, "Hey, buddy, I'm." I was like, "Oh my god, this is genius!" Like I loved because well, even in the trailer too, you just see him grab the hand yeah. and you're like, yeah. "Oh!" And then immediately he smiled. and went, "Oh, yeah, go on." Yeah. A good trailer from Marvel. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, but like, and you mentioned the violence and gore earlier. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And the fight choreography. I mean, take the gore aside. Yeah. The fight choreography was great. Yeah, it was, especially with Elsa Bloodstone. Mm-hmm. I want to see her link up with Jessica Jones, Vera Bradley, mm-hmm. in many different ways. And the werewolf. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Thank you. <laughs> Gonna get us canceled. Nah. <laughs> um, they want to see it too. I think that. Th- I think the werewolf costume looked rad, too. Oh, dude, I love that. It was a practical costume. Yeah, it wasn't a CGI mess. Yes, loved it. It was rad. I yes. also love the encryptions in the hallways, all mm-hmm. the little Easter eggs that they put yeah. in there. Yeah, I saw gore in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um. Yes. Uh. More special presentations, please. Please. They, and, don't, they don't even have to be horror. I yeah. just want to see them. Because I know next we have the Guardians Christmas special, which yep. James Gunn directed. So I am looking forward to that. Yeah. But that doesn't. This was such a specific niche tone, yeah. and I'm hoping I get more of that. Yeah, I agree. Howard the Duck. Dude, I would fucking love He's already that. in the MCU. He is. Give me some little side uh, adventures. I would love that. Mm-hmm. I would love that. I hope they make a special presentation called Sidekicks. Oh, that'd be good. And it's like Jimmy Woo, Darcy. Um, How dare you say that Jimmy Woo couldn't get a movie? Hold on. <laughs> um... Like all, all of the sidekicks, mm-hmm. like um, the kid from Iron Man three, fuck it, yeah, like um, Umbaku, <laughs> just like a crazy like sidekicks thing would be fun. I'd like that. Yes. Overall, a movie night's recommendation. Oh, a big time movie night's a recommendation. Huge, probably the biggest one we've given out. One of them streaming on Disney Plus. Loved it. Yes. I will never get a physical version of it. Fuck. <sighs> I've got a Blu-ray reader. If you want to make your own. True. No, I would. I'm really. I love the assembled behind the scenes stuff they do. I'm really looking forward I to watching they, that I hope they better one. do one. I hope so. I hope so. But yes, please go watch Werewolf by Night. It is amazing. And I believe that's all we had for the show today. I believe so too. Yes. And if you like what you've heard today and you want more, don't forget to subscribe to the official Movie Nights YouTube channel for weekly shows and movie reviews. You can also check out our social media channels where we post updates, short video clips, and more. Those links can be found in the video description if I remember to put them in there. Thank you very much for watching, guys, and we'll see you next time.